0: Welcome to Beyond Backup, the definitive podcast for chief information security officers, SaaS platform owners, technology leaders, and developers alike. Thank you for tuning in. And while listening to this podcast, you will learn about SaaS data protection best practices and insights on data security, backup and recovery, archiving, and cloud data replication. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro. Director of Technical Evangelism at Own Backup, a leading SaaS data protection platform for some of the largest SaaS ecosystems in the world, including Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics 365, and ServiceNow. Today I speak with Ed Ponte, product manager here at Own Backup for our Secure for Salesforce product. He has extensive experience performing security risk assessments and helping organizations minimize the risk in their Salesforce orgs. And in this episode, we discuss some of the best practices CISOs can use to make sure their teams are fully utilizing Salesforce Shield, keeping data within Salesforce orgs secure, and why a risk assessment can help minimize risk. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Beyond Backup. Ed, how are you today?
1: I am doing terrific, Demetrius. I'm really excited to be here with you today.
0: All right, Ed. I uh, truly appreciate the time that you're taking out to have this conversation with us today here. Uh, why don't you first start off just by telling the audience uh, a little bit about yourself?
1: yeah sure i have i've been involved a, a lot of my career in uh, digital channels for banking and financial services uh specifically in in um, consumer banking so standing up mobile banking channels is uh, where i spent quite a, quite a bit of my career more recently i've been doing last good portion of the last three years i, w- I spent out in the field doing salesforce security risk assessments which is Highly relevant because CRM systems provide a lot of the information that one might find in a digital experience uh, in addition to providing the digital experience as well. Um, So looking at Salesforce, doing security risk assessments, event monitoring workshops, platform encryption workshops, field audit trail workshops. Uh, for our customers, and then most recently, uh, in late spring timeframe, um, I had the opportunity to join Own backup's uh, product management team for the Secure for Salesforce product. So, kind of taking that field experience and uh, looking to um, productize those learnings from working with customers eyeball to eyeball on these risk assessments and and, and building uh, building uh, the product that solves the problems that I saw over and over and over again.
0: So, yeah, you you mentioned being being out in the field and also having you know, lots of experience, seeing a lot, lot of different environments and just being privy to some of the things that that people may be overlooking uh, as they are trying to secure uh, their SaaS data. What, what do you say is the number one thing that you have seen overall when you are out in the field and or you were performing these risk assessments? Any, any one thing in specific that jumps out to you that you would like to share?
1: Kind of two big things. You yes, asked for one. One was just the uh, the lack of awareness about the risk that might be present in one's SaaS application, right? So if you're if you're speaking to a CISO or someone on the info infosec team, um, they've got a lot to do to protect the entire enterprise. And I think there's probably they're probably hoping that uh, the SaaS vendors had had things um, a little bit tighter, uh, perhaps than they do uh, from a security perspective. Um, not that the SaaS vendors do a bad job—that you know—they have a vested, they have a vested, they have a vested biz, business interest in keeping their side of the shared responsibility model very secure. It's core to their business. Um, but um, when it comes to protecting uh, my own data in the cloud, if I'm part of the infosec team, uh, I think I've just kind of hand waved it as like, oh, no, th- those things are fine. They're managed by the vendors, and they're not right. The the, the data was pretty horribly exposed, but at all the root cause really started at just a lack of awareness that there was any risk in, in those orgs. That's probably the, the biggest item. I mean, everything everything else kind of flows from that lack of awareness and lack of inspection and lack of governance because you're not aware there's a problem or a potential problem out there.
0: Yeah. And let, let's dive into that, that lack of awareness thing. And, and to me, and I'm sure you, you are very familiar with the shared responsibility model. To me, I still see, based upon you know that shared responsibility model, that yes, I, my, my data is actually uh, owned by me, and yet not quite sure if I am responsible for making sure that data is protected and secure, or if the cloud provider is responsible. So there is that shared responsibility that, yes, they are responsible for one part, but you're responsible as um, an owner of that data for your part. So what what have you seen with just overall that lack of awareness as far as us diving deeper into that and, and keeping that data safe and secure and why you think that that lack of awareness still exists even in in 2022, 2023, as we're rolling into soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we were you and I were last month. We were at the Gartner, you know, uh, security symposium back in Washington D.C. And I mean, one of the sessions I sat in validated that finding just at a high level, right? That uh, people are starting to get around to understanding, like, no, SaaS applications actually can have risks. So that was a nice independent validation of what I saw over the last three years working in the field but the shared responsibility model itself uh again if you're not familiar with it the uh, the vendor you know provides a secure infrastructure you own the data as 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 you indicated uh in in what you said uh, you also own um, authenticating users to make sure you have the right people with the access to the right data, and the rules-based access control, and you know everything that goes into uh, secure DevOps. Uh, if you're building on on the uh, on the application, something like a Salesforce, as an example, where you can build extensively um, custom business features uh, to support your business process, then you're responsible for securing your your DevOps process. Um, that's the people, that's the process, that's the tooling. Uh, required to implement secure DevOps. And so, um, but again, if you go back to where we started, if I'm not even aware I have a problem yeah as you might expect there's there's a lot of gaps there and that's just what i saw over and over again it it's um a, a lot of clients were very you know they had very robust policy um that reflected the operating risk environment of the business those policies were implemented on their legacy applications their client server applications that they happened to manage uh, but when it in, during our discovery process when it came to asking um okay great policies Great, you have some expertise in implementing. Are you doing that with Salesforce? The ninety-nine point nine percent answer was no, and so you know it's just um, so there's a there's there's a lack there's lack of maturity then in securing that cloud application that that SaaS platform Salesforce again specifically is the one that I was dealing with. So there was a lack of awareness and maturity in in securing the application uh, from an infosec perspective. And then if you flipped it over and you look at the administrators and the devs they had pretty good awareness usually of authentication policies although always a lot of violations just not locking the front door to the application as well as as you could and most frequently that manifested in you'd have the most privileged users in the org with <laughs> with the lowest lowest barriers to access uh, as an example Yeah, and so, but they're, you know, they're, so they're, the admin teams, they have, they have a good, uh, a a reasonable understanding of what they should be doing, locking the front door, wasn't always implemented well, but they don't really understand how the different features and components of Salesforce might contribute to uh, exposing data to some very unnecessary risk. Um, And so that's, that's really part of what we were doing during the risk assessments was, you know, educating, educating the InfoSec team, educating... Uh, the admin team and bringing those two uh, two different groups together to be able to speak uh, in a more common language because the admin team, of course, speaks in Salesforce's case, they speak Salesforce jargon like Org Ar- default defaults or outbound messages or right, like these types of terms. That doesn't mean anything to the InfoSec team. It's like, well, what's the risk? I, I know risk language. You know these features of your SaaS application. I've got a lot to manage. I'm not, I, I don't go deep into the jargon of anything that I have to manage necessarily.
0: Let me ask you this. You you mentioned that you, you've you seen a lot of environments, but th- does it have anything to do with the size of the org or the size of the environment, the number of users and the number of people that are actually responsible for, you know, managing that, that SaaS environment, especially like Salesforce? Is there anything based on the size of that org and that organization that you've seen? Or does it not have anything to do with it? I, it,
1: it can at the extreme on the low end. Uh, they can actually, there were some medium-sized customers where there was only you know an, an admin or two supporting uh, the org that we happen to be looking at. And they're, they're worse off. They have more burning fires. But the just the basic, missing the basic blocking and tackling because of a lack of maturity in securing Salesforce uh, from some of the largest companies in the world that we reviewed their orgs, it, you know, it, it, it didn't matter. Um, and again, it, it they may have, um, uh, we talked about the immaturity in managing uh, risk of the, of Salesforce, but you know, these, these folks were very mature, very expert in deploying and support building, deploying and supporting business capabilities on the admin side. And then, you know, robust policies and some really good work on, other apps, securing other applications and securing um, the enterprise uh, on the InfoSec side, but just, again, that lack of maturity uh, when it came to managing uh, the security posture of Salesforce.
0: Okay. And just to be more specific, so Salesforce has a a product called Shield, and that's what platform encryption, event monitoring, and field audit trail, right? What are some of the things that let's say CISOs, Chief Information Security Officers, should make sure that their team is taking advantage of when they indeed have Salesforce Shield?
1: The implementation of any of those products, first of all, they're they're great products, right? They're great products for helping to fulfill your side of the shared responsibility model. But they can be difficult to implement, and you need to where you really need to start is classifying the data, identifying what information in my org that's supporting one, two, three different um, business processes wh- wh- where's the sensitive information in the org? Um, having that clarity uh, is is the first step, uh, regardless of which one of those applications you happen to be implementing first. Um, so if we take uh, platform encryption, you're going to have to know what those sensitive fields are because those are going to be your targets for encryption. Um, if you're doing field audit trail, those are the fields that you potentially might want to track. If you're doing event monitoring, it's going to tell you entities or objects that you probably ought to be monitoring because uh, they have a lot of their sensitive fields. They have a lot of usage. Um, and it, one of the one of the items you can do is um, filter on queried entities and some of the event types. And so having that information of where do I have concentrations of risk and marrying that up with, you know, where does that also coincide with users with a, a lot of users with access to that information? Super super helpful for the event monitoring. Um, but in 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 terms of event monitoring and platform encryption it's not, uh, you don't just flip a switch and you're protected. Um, I think the other thing that there may be a lack of awareness about is that, you know, it can be a pretty sizable project to get each one of those applications implemented correctly. And then if you haven't, and we often did not see, in fact, if it was I'm trying to think if there was any time that we did see a real robust security program for Salesforce, it's not just implement once and forget it. You know, these orgs are constantly getting new fields again, to the point that you can build on the platforms, you get process sprawl in terms of the process that is being supported by the org. So you get more sensitive data, Uh, just a long way of saying you, you have to build into your security program maintaining uh every single one of those applications um making sure that you've encrypted new fields if that's what you needed to making sure that you've uh rotated your keys for encryption making sure that you've updated your your monitoring capabilities to be monitoring those new fields that are used in that new business process that was just deployed you know a month ago that all requires maintenance and if you don't have a security program that's forcing you to come back around and look at it and again that was very rare to find to the point where I can't even remember a single customer that had that robust of a security program around Salesforce. There, there, there's a lot there. Again, getting back to where I started, it's just not flipping a switch. You, you have an implementation project, and you have a security program to continue to manage that well, and that may not be obvious. Again, if you're sitting from the, if you're starting from the point today where. Gosh, I'm not even sure if I have risk in Salesforce. Uh, if you're in a regulated industry and you have a mission critical app, you probably do have risk if you're like the others that I saw. There's just going to be a lot of investment that needs to occur to get you up to, up to speed and well protected.
0: You, you mentioned data classification quite a few times. And to me, in my mind, that that should be something that is probably fairly simple to implement. Is, is that not the case? Like, especially in Salesforce?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, It's. um, And you're
0: laughing, so I guess it's more difficult
1: than you might imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll go back to uh, as soon as you ask that, it comes to I won't name the customer, but very large, sophisticated financial services customer. They'd had a team of 12 very talented technical people working for 10 months trying to classify their org. Using a spreadsheet that they were Hold on, passing you, around.
0: You said ten <laughs> months, just trying to classify data
1: with ten months, fifteen. I think that was around fifteen thousand fields in that org. Yeah, it's about fifteen thousand fields there. Okay, trying to work all right, all right. Just,
0: okay, put it into perspective. Okay, I I see it now. Got it. Got
1: it. Yeah, ten months. They came to us. Uh, they were they were trying to do a platform uh, encryption implementation. They had a hard deadline by the end of the year. Um, so uh, when we did that workshop we had uh they were about 70 80% of the way done we went through we we brought we in 2 weeks we we had them to all fields classified and an implementation playbook um mm-hmm. it just so happens our, our secure application makes it a lot easier um to do the classification the tooling's there uh you got to pick through it on the Salesforce platform but you got to pick through it field by field or you have to use data loader in a and a in yeah a, spreadsheet and and again the spreadsheet passing around ten people ten months it goes back to maturity uh Demetrius again going just back to things we t- we spoke about they'd never actually classified data before, which it's not a black art it's 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 just methodical and pragmatic in the way you step through it um but the they just had never really
0: yeah but com- compliance right and regulations and Audits and things like that. Oh my!
1: Right, right? <laughs> for sure. I
0: would. I would think. Yeah. And you know what? I think we have a a podcast title now. <laughs> Compliance regulations and whatever else. Oh yeah. my! Oh my! But but anyway, yeah. Th- this is very very helpful. And another thing that comes to mind is you know also tapping in, tapping into your expertise is. You know just do you have any recommendations on you know how those in control of managing like multiple saAS environments right it It just doesn't happen to be you know Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics or even ServiceNow, or how can they guess get more resilient um especially in addition to also making sure that their data is secure so Any recommendations just from an overall, you know, being more resilient perspective and other than the lack of awareness that that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, And again, I I come from a place of nobody, uh, nobody has infinite resources. Right. And so um, I think like the first the first step and the gap, one of the. First, yeah, because there was the lack of awareness in InfoSec that they might have a problem in their SaaS environment, it's collaborating with the admin teams for those SaaS applications because your InfoSec uh, person or team and your admin team for the different SaaS, they, they really need to be working close together because they bring um, different strengths. Uh, InfoSec knows how to secure uh, and and they're very familiar with the policies and the compliance needs. Um, and the admin teams are are more familiar, obviously, with administrating the platform and what the platform features are, whatever it is, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Dynamics, whatever it is. But also, very importantly, in understanding how the platform is used to support the business. And so I think where, you, uh, where I, in InfoSec's shoes, trying to tackle this problem, knowing that I have a lot to protect in addition to the SaaS application or SaaS applications, Let's start with the interviews, like, how is this org used to support the business? Because not all all orgs are risky. And, you know, you don't, again, going back to finite resources, you need to spend time where it's important to spend time. And there's some stuff that you don't need to spend time on, even if you had resources. And so interviewing and understanding, like, the risk profile uh, for a given SaaS application, is it supporting... A process that handles sensitive data in some way, mergers and acquisitions, or you know, healthcare information or PII. Um, what type of information is in this business process that's landing in this org um, that I might need to protect? Because uh, that'll give you, if you had a hundred different SaaS applications, you know, you probably—I don't know—I'm just, I'll pull a number out of the hat. Maybe there's 20 of those instances that you actually need to focus on because they're really putting your business at risk. So starting there. Uh, Interviewing, starting to build that relationship between InfoSec um, and the the line of business admins would be uh, the perfect place to start. And then going through some type of a risk assessment process, um, if I've I've profiled, I know where I need to focus. I've started a relationship uh, with the business admins um, for those SaaS instances. So let's take it to the next step. Um, classification of those orgs that were deemed risky would be a great place to start. Um, why? Uh, because you have to know the understanding, the again, finite resources. I don't have to protect all 15,000 fields in my 15,000 field org. I probably have to protect somewhere around 1,000 to 1,500. So, you know, how do I efficiently go? Well, I understand the what to protect. How do I understand that? I understand not only the risk operating context, those business processes, but also <clears throat> the actual fields that are holding that sensitive data, right? Once you understand that, then, then you can either hire you can hire out uh, for a risk assessment or use your, your skill sets internally to go through a risk assessment for that org or that instance.
0: I, I also, I think I was having a conversation with someone about encryption. They, they they kept mentioning that it's not as easy as it sounds to go in and just, you know, flip that switch to encrypt some data within SAS application. Do do you know why that might be a comment that someone made to me? I, I just it, it escapes me right now and I, I think I know the answer, but what what are your thoughts there just around encryption and turning it on and making sure that it is, is set properly?
1: Yeah. It, you end up with so when you implement um so um, sales the shield platform encryption is field level encryption it is not tenant level uh, or database encryption right it's uh it, it it's field level and when you're doing field level encryption the way the field is used in sorting or filtering views or reports right you can break things um, the other thing about field encryption is that not all data types of fields are supported for encryptions. So if you look again, I'll focus Salesforce is kind of what I know, your numeric fields, numbers, currencies, percentages, as an example, which when you start looking at SOX regulation can sometimes put you in, in the danger zone, can not encrypt them, they're not supported for encryption, wrong data type. So you have those issues, is it supported for encryption, is it not? Uh, if it is, am I, is it gonna break anything in my application? Uh if it is, is there anything that I can do uh to change the way it's being used uh potentially so that I don't break the encryption? Um, can I use uh, deterministic as an example as opposed to probabilistic for shield platform encryption? That'll get you past some of the some of the filter usage where you're doing direct equality comparisons. Um yeah, so when you're going through field by field, uh yeah, it's it's, it's quite challenging. Again, not to plug our own stuff. Fortunately, we automate a lot of that checking because otherwise it's very tedious. If you have a thousand fields you want to encrypt, it can be pretty tedious trying to identify all the things you might break by encrypting uh, a field that is supported for encryption. Mm, yeah, I think it, it it can be easier if you're doing the tenant level encryption like Salesforce uh, seems to be coming out with soon. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be easier for those that don't have a hard requirement around um, managing their own encryption keys that might be a a great way to flip a switch and say yes all my sensitive all my data is encrypted sensitive or not but that's not the reality with shield platform encryption
0: okay so so encryption just flipping that switch and saying yes i am going to encrypt all of my data in the cloud in my SaaS app it's not that easy is what you're saying potentially there has to be some Yeah, there has to be a process before to understand and some of the nuances around, you know, what you are about to encrypt and how that's going to affect the data down the line and all the other. Things that are connected to those particular data sets, right?
1: Yeah, potentially depending on the type of encryption that the vendor is supporting. So, if it's field level encryption, you've got a you do definitely you definitely have a project ahead of you. If it's full tenant level encryption, like Salesforce is coming out or your other vendor, uh, then then it may be a lot like flipping a switch. It, it's the answer is it depends.
0: Okay. Yeah, and you know maybe one or two more questions, in, you know just for everyone here. You, you you won't be able to see this because it's only audio. But uh Ed, I did not know you were a Raiders fan and, and we, we just got back <laughs> from from our mid year kickoff and uh we were in that stadium. How did you feel? So had great. you already been there before? I had. I, I'd it? done a tour about oh, a, a year ago, okay, but okay. It, was,
1: it was wonderful to be back in Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, it was a pretty exciting night for me, for sure.
0: <laughs> but you hadn't? Well, maybe you've been in the locker room, too, before, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Okay, all right. Yeah. Maybe I should have left this question out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, is, and also, you, you mentioned something earlier about um, just having sensitive data. And, you know, making sure that you are aware and you classify whatever sensitive data you need uh, to be classified. And it doesn't have to be everything. But when it comes to maybe having to share that that data, uh, maybe in like you want to make a copy of it, uh, for instance, in, in, in what we have is sandbox seating, right? Um, giving someone else access to that data and that maybe they shouldn't, be looking at someone's social security number, or phone number, or address, or whatever the heck that may be. What what do you say is the way in order to maybe prevent that from happening, or, or making that easier?
1: Well, yeah, and no, it's a great question because the problem the problem is real. I mean, most frequently we you know we were doing the security risk assessments, we were dealing with with large enterprises, and they they did have. Uh, contractors. They had a lot of contractors. Uh, oftentimes those contractors were offshore, nothing against uh, offshore people, but it, it does just change the risk profile. And so you would have, and this is even with uh, with an enterprise's legacy you know, client server type applications or other apps they might be managing in-house, frequently you will supply production data right as part of your development and testing process to make sure you're building uh, you're building capabilities right and that they work as expected and so it was very very common to see a large number of contractors uh, development uh, type resources uh, and you also see that production data being used unfiltered in those lower environments and so you have you have some supply chain risk you have some Exfiltration risk uh, there—it's uh, just going to be higher than normal. Uh, one of the easy ways you can do that is make sure that you mask or anonymize sensitive data before it's used. But again, it goes back to—it starts with, well, what is that data in my org? It's not all the data; it's some subset of that, and then making sure that it's properly anonymized uh, as it as it's you know uh, used to seed a lower environment for development or testing. Uh, because the risk is real, I saw it over and over and over again. Definitely, some some exfiltration risk there that you might not have thought about. And again, it goes back to maturity. It's like other applications managed internally, much more securely managed. Even the development process and SaaS applications, not not as much.
0: Okay, so maybe one more question. Put your your crystal ball um, in front of you right now. What what do you see? For for the future of protecting SaaS
1: data, I think what I think what we're going to see, um, and it gets—I'll uh, go back to the you know my own independent, independent but verified by Gartner, the Gartner conference—that there's a growing awareness of risk. Um, there's a whole space that uh, in SaaS applications, there's a whole space um, yep. posture management for for SaaS, right? That we're in, um, and everybody's surfacing a lot of information and. That's great, but it's not actionable. Um, I think as I look forward, uh, the next big challenge to solve is really truly going to be identifying and communicating what the risk of any given control state uh, or setting mismatch is. Uh, Because at the end of the day, you need to come down to, if you have 100 things to fix, you probably only have the bandwidth to fix 10. Um, and if you don't have a risk prioritized list, it's hard to know, well, what are the 10 things that I need to fix this year that I can actually get around to what's going to make the biggest impact in making sure that my security posture, uh, is better or, or enhanced can't do that. If you're not identifying, assessing, and communicating about the actual risk of the findings, right? The gaps, um, just spraying up a bunch of information, uh, great. You know, not helpful, though, when it comes to actually fixing it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I, I, I always like to maybe leave a plug for the younger generation, especially those who have just graduated from college and they are, you know, moving into the IT industry, maybe their first job, and they are interested in security. What piece of advice would you give give to them? It's one thing, <laughs> yeah. not, not not 20. Don't, we don't want to overwhelm I them. Think, I think,
1: I think. To me, it's always I've always been a mix of business and technologists, and so it's understanding the risk of anything that you're working on as you implement. What is the actual risk or the impact of the business? Um, I I think that's going to provide clarity of where to focus uh, and where to produce high value results. You know, you you get inundated as a young person um, interested in security. Nobody can fix every problem. You got to fix the important problems. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to understand. Business impact. All right. How does what I'm doing connect to the business?
0: Well, you've you've heard from Ed Ponte, so uh, Ed, I, I really appreciate you you being on on Beyond Backup and just giving us some insight, uh, giving us a peek into your expertise that you have, and uh, just. You know, me leaving here a little more knowledgeable, and I'm sure the audience will, will also be more knowledgeable as well. So thank you for, for being on Beyond Backup.
1: Hey, Demetrius, thank you for the time today. I hope something that we talked about today was useful. I mean, there there are some real world findings and observations in there that hopefully uh, your audience will find useful in secure, better securing their, their SaaS environments.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Beyond Backup, hosted by Own Backup, where we empower thousands of organizations worldwide to manage and protect your mission-critical data to drive your business forward. To learn more, please visit ownbackup.com and be sure to tune into our next biweekly episode.